Glad that you're able to be here with us this evening. I want to welcome everybody here tonight. Uh, on your table, before we do anything else, uh, kind of want to do something, want to have a communion tonight. On the night that uh, our Savior was betrayed, uh, he took bread and uh, he broke it at the end of the meal. <clears throat> he gave it to him and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And on each table is a plate uh, with some bread on it. And uh, there's also a carafe there. I think that's how you say it. Pitcher, fancy word for a pitcher. Um, with some juice in it. Uh, he also took the cup after the meal and he said a blessing. And he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you in the new covenant. Um, and he, he prayed. And the prayer that he prayed would have been something like, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, creator of the universe that brought forth bread from the earth. He would also said something similar to that, saying, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, creator of the universe that brought forth the fruit of the vine. And they passed that around and he said, and I will not drink this again until I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Uh, and so tonight... I want us to partake of that um, and uh, remember that the reason we're here, the reason everything or anything makes any sense at all is because Yeshua came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross for our sins, allowed us to be brought back into fellowship with God, grafted into Israel, part of this incredible, powerful story, um, and He's coming back soon. Uh, real soon. And so uh, we want to say thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body, which was broken for us. Uh, and then to partake of that. And so, um, matter of fact, while I'm still talking for a second, if y'all want to, you can go ahead and start uh, pouring that up. Um, <clears throat> I should have had you do that earlier while I was talking. <laughs> and by the time the service is over, I would prefer not to have to take any of that bread or juice back. So feel free to uh, make sure that disappears uh, <laughs> during, during the service. And so we do pray and say, Yahovah, we bless you and thank you for bringing forth literally bread from the earth and bringing forth Yeshua from the earth and promising to bring even us from the earth when we're resurrected. And we thank you for and bless you for the blood because in the blood is life and it was shed for us that we might have life. And Heavenly Father, as we partake of this now, we say thank you. And we literally join ourselves with our Savior and um, proclaim to all the heavenly realm uh, that He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, God of all gods, creator of the universe, one with the great I am, our Savior, our God, and our King, and our future, our salvation, our present, and our past is all wrapped up in Him and what He's done for us. And we say thank you. And we pray it in Yeshua's name. 
Amen. Would you pour me a cup? I'm going to have some even while I'm up here, if that's all right. Uh, And we're supposed to be a family, so it's okay if you're eating and stuff while I'm talking, okay? Um, You really tonight need to be at a table. Don't want to call you out, but you need to be at a table because of what we're going to do tonight. Uh, Because I literally have an exercise for us with these notes. So if you um, see the notes here on your table, and thank you, Jesus, amen? So we have made it uh, to this portion called Immor, and it means to say. Um, in Leviticus 21, verse 1, God tells uh, Moses, I want you to say to the sons of Aaron these things. So um, that's where this portion gets its name. What's fascinating is chapter 23. Now, we're going to jump ahead and we're going to march through chapter 23 together. Chapter 23, I want you to think of chapter 23 as your map. You're going on an adventure and chapter 23 really is your map and you don't want to leave without a proper map. Amen? Amen. So you can find your way back and find your way around. So... I've got the first few verses here, and I've got them in a, a couple of versions uh, on, on purpose. And I, want, I want you to see something. So starting with verse 1 in chapter 23, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Now, I have that one there for you in the ESV, which is the version I've been using for years, and I really do like the ESV. Uh, Right below that, I also have it in the Scriptures version. I want to read that one, and then we're going to talk about some of these words before we move through here, because as we do this, it is absolutely, incredibly powerful. I know I say that every week, but the Word of God is powerful, amen? Amen. So from the scriptures, it says, And Yahovah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The appointed times of Yahovah, which you are to proclaim as set-apart gatherings, my appointed times are these. Now, there are some very important words in these first two verses that we need to talk about for Clear, uh, or I don't want to, for very, uh, for clarification. Let me say it that way for ver- for clarification. So once again in chapter twenty three and verse one, or actually the start of verse two, is this word debar meaning to speak, which is what he said in chapter twenty one. It's where this whole section gets its name to speak, to issue forth this command. And say to the people. So that's that word there, uh, debar. And, and I've got the Strong's uh, concordance, the lexicon uh, definitions for you here. And you can see in here where it says in the authorized version, it's translated as speak 840 times, uh, say 818 times, talk 46 times, and so on and so forth. 
um, as you move through this uh, verse, or these two verses here, he says, and you're to say to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts. Now, I believe that almost all of you here are pretty familiar with this, but those two words, uh, they're appointed feast, and I've got it for you here. Uh, in the Hebrew is moed or moedim. The I am on the end of it makes it plural. So I've got this definition for you here also out of Strong's lexicon where it says that the moed here uh, in the authorized version translates it as congregation 150 times, feast 23 times, season 13 times, appointed 12 times, time 12 times, assembly 4 times, and so on and so forth. So <clears throat> these appointed feasts are their appointed times that belong to God. They're not necessarily ours. They're, they belong to God himself, right? So these are not Jewish holidays. They're God's appointments. You tracking with me so far? Okay. So <clears throat> he says that these are the feasts, or these are the appointed times, the Moedim of the Lord. And this is where it gets absolutely fascinating. It says, these are the feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. Now, that word proclaim, actually, I'm going to come back to that for a second. Uh, let's deal with, with holy for a second because we've talked about that at length, but I want to make sure we go over this again because it's, it's just fascinating. So the word holy, and it says, you know, holy convocations. We talked about that, I think, before, you know, what comes to mind when you think of a holy convocation? Uh, in my mind, I'm going back to the 60s, being in church, you know, it's a reverent place, you know, you're supposed to be dignified, don't talk, you know, unless you're talked to, yes, sir, you no, know, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know. And uh, especially for the children, you know, and you definitely don't wear a hat, you know, back in those, can anybody remember that? Um, I don't know if I've told you, did I ever tell you this story about me as a child singing in the children's choir at church? Oh, well, dealing with a holy convocation and it's supposed to be in this dignified uh, setting, I don't know, I was probably eight and uh, it was at Shallow Terrace Baptist Church over here in the east side of Dallas, really, really big church. And our young children's choir had so many kids who couldn't get in the choir loft. So guess who was sitting on the stage in a folded metal chair, you know, wasn't these. It was those old-fashioned, you know, from the 60s folding up metal chairs that just were horrible. Um, and so guess which eight-year-old was on the front row of the stage about four feet high in front of God and everybody? Yep, it was me. So we sang, I sat down, and I got bored during the preaching. So I went off on my little make-believe world and... I'm sitting there, and like a little eight-year-old, I'm playing with my hands like I'm, play, like I'm fighting an army and stuff, you know, in my lap and everything. I'm up there just having a grand old time, you know, and all this. And all of a sudden, while I'm doing this, I'm going, because I'm looking down the whole time in my lap where I'm playing like I've got these army men, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm on the front row. <laughs> 
And I look up real slow, and my mom is about a third of the way back, and I'm telling you, fire was coming out of her eyes. I was like, oh, no, and boy, did I hear about it after that service. I thought it was a little embarrassing and funny at the same time. But um, as I was preparing this, that picture went through my mind of how, you know, there was just certain things, you know, you just weren't supposed to do because this is, you know, this is a church service and, you know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be quiet and dignified and all that kind of stuff. So when I see this term, holy convocation, that's kind of what I think of. We've talked about this, but the word holy is Kodesh. And so I've got it for you here, uh, the definition for it and how the Authorized version translates it as holy and sanctuary and holy or hallowed things. Um, most, uh, even 42 times, holiness, de uh, dedicated, uh, and these uh, other ways that it's translated as even apartness, holiness, sacredness, or separateness. So when we think about this, uh, and we've talked about that, that the idea about this word holy or Kadesh means something that is set apart and sanctified unto God. It's not the same. It's not common. It's set apart for a particular purpose and specifically for God himself. That's no aha, right? Because you should know about that. Well, if you go back and you look at this word, well, let me, let me deal even with convocation. So if you turn the page, you look at this word convocation. So the word convocation is from the Hebrew word mikra. Okay, and it's translated in the authorized version 19 times as convocation or assemblies or calling or, watch this, reading, a convocation, convoking, reading, a calling together or sacred assembly or reading. So, okay, this convocation... Uh, is a calling together of an assembly of people that's separate and separated unto God. We clear on that part? But where it gets really interesting is the connection of the word mikra because it has a root word. The definition right below that is the root word, which is the word for proclaim. When he said, this is... He says to Moses, and he goes, this is what you are to proclaim, okay? So the word mikra, is, uh, the word, it comes from the root word kara. So if you look down on the second definition of your notes on your second page, it's the number 7121. You see those three Hebrew letters? The kof, resh, and the olive. You see those three? If you look up at the word right above it in 4744, you'll see if you read it from the right to left, there's the letter M or Mem, and then you have those same three letters. You see that? It's the same three letters because it's the root word that forms the word Mikra. So Mikra means to have these assemblies, but Kara means to proclaim. Interesting. So if you'll look back on this, on your first page, and if you just go ahead and look at the top verse there, verse 1 and 2, 
Verse 2 says, this is, you know, Debar, or speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed times, the Moedim of, and I'm going to say it this way, Yahovah, that you shall, watch this, Karah, Kodesh, Mikra. That's how that would have been said, basically, in my English way of saying this, okay? So it was, you shall Karah, Kodesh, Mikra, that these are my appointed times. These are my Moedim. So what's he really saying there? Watch this. I believe what he's saying is you need to proclaim that these are set-apart congregations coming together to make a proclamation. It's coming from the root word to proclaim. But it can also mean a congregation or a group of people that have gathered, but gathered for what? To make a proclamation. Now, he's talking about these feasts that we've been told for 1,700 years don't apply to the church. Which I'm going to tell you again is wrong. I think it's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. I really do. And it comes from replacement theology. That's just where it comes from. Um, so right here, and you can't see this in the English, right? But it really rings, doesn't it, when he says, I want you to proclaim that these are my Moedim and that you are to Karah, Kodesh, Mikra, my Moedim. Is that little rhythmic play on words saying that these are to gather together, but they're going to gather together to do something. We have a tendency to think once again that when we gather here, we're just here, you know, praising God and, you know, making him, you know, put a smile on his face. Or uh, when he's asking us to do certain things, he's asking us to do these things so we can learn obedience. Or he's asking us to do these things so that it'll put a smile on his face. No, 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 no. Those are all um, side benefits, if you will. Do those things happen? Yes. But what is the root reason for doing all this? It's to make a proclamation. It's right here. It says that they're to proclaim this and they're to gather together. And in this process, they're proclaiming that these are his appointed times. So let's go ahead and march through this because I want you to see something else. Now, on the second page, I've given you the list of these feasts. There are seven annual feasts. Seven annual appointed times. I really don't like the word feast because it's not a good, uh, it, it just puts a bad, I think, vision in our head. Uh, can somebody, Sonia, can you turn this air down just a little bit? It's just a little warm. Thanks. She's just going all over the place taking care of stuff tonight. There's uh, seven that are annual. It starts with uh, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Shavuot. Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Then there's the weekly feast of the Sabbath, which is where we are here today. It happens every week. We get to experience this 52 times a year, which is, that's pretty cool, right? So I've got that there for you just so that you can look at it and you can have that as a reference. We're not going to take the time this morning to deal with each, or this evening to deal with each one of those. I want to jump ahead and go to start with verse 3. And I'm going to read through here because I want you to see something that is fascinating. 
I've got this for you in the ESV because I want us to do something because we have to re we have to rewire our brain. And I'm going to tell you that what I did to make these notes, I literally copied and pasted this on here for you, this chapter. And when it did it, I kept fighting my computer, going, this is not right. Why is this wrong with the word Lord? Okay? Uh, so I had to go in here and hand change every single one of them in this chapter so it would read the way it was reading, the way it reads on your Bible. In other words, if you have a Bible, uh, you got an ESV here, somebody got an ESV or New American Standard or... Okay, once again, if I ask a question, that means you have to respond. So uh, anybody got like an ESV or New American or King James or got a King James... If you'll look there in your Bible, you look there in Leviticus chapter 23, you can actually go to almost any page in your Old Testament. We've talked about this before, but where you see the word Lord in all capital letters is to let you know that that's realistically God's name, yod heh vav heh or Yahovah. right? So um, you should see it in there and it'll be all caps. Are you seeing that? Where it's all capital letters. Now, I'm not even going to pull mine up here because I've actually already looked at about a dozen of them today because it really was boggling my mind. So when I cut this and pasted it on the paper for you, it changed the word Lord every single time to a capital L and the rest of it lowercase letters instead of all capital letters. I'm going to show you why. If you look on your Bible, who here has, uh, let's, I know ESV does it. Anybody have an ESV? You got one? Okay, so if you look at it, you'll see all caps, right? They're all capital letters. But the font size of the O, R, and D are the same size as the lowercase letters. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. Can somebody go, uh-oh. That's right. You know what happens? You see the capital L, the capital O, R, and D, the font size is the same as a lowercase letter. So when you read that, you're just reading, you don't, you think our brain, mind doesn't. Mine just sees Lord like it's a smaller case. So when I post, pasted it on here, I, saw, I was like, well, yeah, that's right, it's right. And I start reading through it again, and I went, it's wrong. Why is it doing that? So I deleted it recopied it, pasted it again. I'm like, what is it doing? Because it was changing the O, the O, R, and D to lowercase lettering. And then it hit me. I was like, oh, I see what it's doing. It's seeing that font size and the computer's going, somebody's wrong, I'll fix it. Because it was a lowercase font size, but it was a capital letter. And I'm sure the computer's like, you can't do that. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. So I had to go in here, and that's why you're going to see on uh, the bottom of page 2, in verse 6, it says, uh, six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a, is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation. Uh, 
you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. So you see that all cap there in, in the proper font size. So here's what I want you to do just to kind of help. There, I want you to, you're going to need to do two or three things. I'm going to try to read this slow so you can try to do this. You might have to make yourself some notes or whatever. But every time you see the word Lord, I just want you to write, and I gave you the, the notes there for it, a Y, an H, and a V, and an H. Either write it right over it or make you a line or whatever. Just write it right over that so that you can start to rewire your brain. Now, here's what you're going to do. You're going to try to get ahead of me. <laughs> I know how that works. And then you won't be hearing everything that we're going to be reading and talking about. But there's something else I want you to pay attention to. So not only do I want you to kind of do that or make a note or whatever, it's, it's Yahovah, yod Hey vav Hey Y-H-V-H, okay? But every time you see the word proclaim or holy convocation, highlight it or circle it or whatever, and remember that what it's saying is mikra kara, depending on which one comes first. Because here's why that becomes important. I'm 62. I'll be 62 in a couple of weeks. It is very difficult to rewire my brain. It's difficult to rewire anything at my age. I mean, when you've been doing something for 62 years or you've been thinking a certain way for so long and you read something, there's just that mental picture that jumps in there, right? It just does. Um, so when you see this, holy convocation and proclaim, I want you to imagine what he's saying is, I want you to meet together as a call out assembly, separated assembly to make a proclamation. And he's not saying, I want you to go to a dignified church service. That's not what he's saying here. But when we have these words and these pictures in our heads, we'll come across, uh, you know, so he, this is what it is. It's the feast to the Lord. And we've covered that because the word Lord means master, husband, boss. That's the same thing as Baal. The false god that called Israel to fail so many times. That term means husband, master, Lord of the house, the boss. And did you know, that I don't have this verse in front of me, but in the scriptures, God says he will remove the Baals from us when he comes back. We're no longer going to use that term. He even says, you're no longer going to call me my husband, which means Baal. Wow. He's going to clean it up. He is concerned about this. So I want you to highlight these words or circle them or... Or, or whatever, and then when you see the word Lord, just write that on here. And I'm going to read this, and I'm going to try to read it properly so that it will make sense. So let me just start with verse 3. It says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. A mikra. Uh, you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to Yahovah, in all your dwelling places. Verse 4. These are the appointed feast, or the Moedim of Yahovah. The Mikra, which you shall kara. 
at the appointed time for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, it is Yehovah's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yehovah. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, a mikrah. You shall do no ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to Yehovah for seven days. And on the seventh day is a mikrah. It's a congregation meeting to proclaim. You shall, do no, you shall not do any ordinary work. The Feast of First Fruits. And Yahovah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before Yahovah so that you may be accepted. And on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year without blemish, as a burnt offering to Yehovah. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to Yehovah, with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen, and you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you've brought the offering to your God." It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Verse 15, And you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count 50 days. This is going up to Pentecost. 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new wine to Yahovah, you shall bring your, from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to Yahovah. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs, a year old without blemish, and one bull from the herd and two rams. They shall be burnt. They shall be a burnt offering to Yehovah with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to Yehovah. And you shall bring one male goat for a sin offering and two male lambs a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Yehovah with two lambs. They shall be holy to Yehovah. That word holy, again, is separate or separateness. So they're going to be separated unto Yahovah. watch this, for the priests. And you shall make a, hmm, yeah, you're going to make a karah. You're going to make a proclamation on the same day. And you shall hold a mikrah. <laughs> you shall do... You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to, the edge, to its edges, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am Yahovah your Elohim. Then you get to the Feast of Trumpets. Verse 23, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. I'm sorry. See, there it is. It just leaks out, doesn't it? And Yahovah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, 
saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial, hmm, karah, proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a mikrah. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to Yahovah. Now we get to the Day of Atonement. And Yahovah spoke to Moses saying, Now on the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be for you a time of mikra, this holy convocation. And you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to Yahovah. And you shall not do any work on that day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before Yahovah your Elohim. For whoever is not afflicted on that day shall be cut off from his people, and whoever does any work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves. And on the ninth day of the month beginning at evening, from evening to evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. Then you get to the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles. And it says, and Yehovah spoke. This issue of speaking and proclaiming is all through this chapter. And Yehovah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, on the 15th day of this seventh month and for seven days is the Feast of Booths to Yehovah. It is the first... On the first day shall be a mikrah, shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to Yahovah. On the eighth day you shall hold a mikrah and present a food offering to Yahovah. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts. These are the moedim of Yahovah, and you shall karah. <laughs> as times of mikra, of a holy convocation for presenting to Yahovah food offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings, each on its proper day. Besides Yahovah's Sabbaths, besides your gifts, besides all your vow offerings, besides all your free will offerings, which you give to Yahovah. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast to Yahovah seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of the splendid trees, the branches of the palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before Yahovah your Elohim seven days." That sounds really brutal, doesn't it? We have to go and throw a party for seven days. God's just such a party pooper, isn't he? Verse 41, you shall celebrate a feast to Yehovah for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All the native Israelites shall dwell in booths. Here we go that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahovah, your God. Thus Moses did what? He declared, he karad, if you will, 
to the people of Israel, the Moedim of Yehovah. I don't know about you, but when I saw that and I started just simply reading through here, it changed my total view, if you will, and it had already been uprooted, if you will, the last few years on these feasts. I'm sitting there going, my goodness, Heavenly Father, how many times did you have to say it? And we still didn't get it. We didn't get it partially because it's been translated into English, which is hard because the words can be translated different ways. And I, and I get all that. And let me say this. I don't think anybody is intentionally lying, trying to hide it. I don't think that's the issue. But what I do believe is happening is the devil is playing people like a fiddle. Because he's hiding it from us in plain sight. It's right there on the page. And all we really have to do is read our Bible and pray, right? And read it in, read it in context. Context is king, so read it in context. Look at what it's saying. And he's saying, look, I want you to gather and I want you to do this and watch this and I want you to do it at the appointed time. Because he has a big thing about doing stuff in an orderly fashion at the appointed time. Everything is laid down and it will happen at the appointed time. Period. Nobody's going to change it. Nobody's going to keep God from doing what he wants to do at the appointed time. And he goes, so I'm going to give you all this. And we understand some of these are my appointed times when I want you to meet with me. And when you're doing this, you're going to be making a proclamation. And, as, and on top of that, it's going to be a real beat down, meaning, you know, you need to celebrate and have a party. And there's only one time in here where he talks about afflicting yourselves. And folks, that doesn't mean going out with a whip and beating yourself like you see people all over the world do. Dumb. It's, it's talking about being repentant. It's talking about not doing stuff for yourself, having your eyes focused so much on God and making a proper proclamation, making him smile, bringing glory and honor to his name, doing it right, doing it on his time schedule and getting your life right with him. That's what it's talking about and it's because it's also, it's at the day of atonement. So you have this trumpets, feast of trumpets, <clears throat> And then from the Feast of Trumpets to the Day of Atonement, there's 10 days, and those are called the 10 days of awe because, you know, Day of Atonement is coming. So the trumpet sounds because God doesn't go, oh, guess what? I'm just going to spring it on you. Does God ever do that? No. And you see it in Scripture, and he tells us over and over and over again, which is another reason why I don't believe in a pre-trib rapture. Sorry, you don't find it in Scripture. Where God goes, you know, I'm just going to surprise everybody and go, and everybody's going to disappear and that's going to make all the Jews jealous and then they'll call on me and they'll, they'll get saved because they'll get scared. Folks, that sounds real good. It'll make a lot of nice movies. It'll sell a lot of good books, but it is not scriptural. We've been over all that. Um, what we do know is that God said over and over and over again, I'm going to do all this stuff with Israel. I'm going to graft you into Israel and I'm going to do these things at the appointed time. So I want you to see something here as we keep moving through here because there's some other passages that are so cool. In Daniel 11, 
we went through the book of Daniel. I don't remember now. It was a while back, right? Because it took time. It took some time to do that. But in Daniel chapter 11, I've got here for you verses 29 through 35. And look at how it starts off. At the appointed time, he shall return and come into the south. But it shall not be this time as it was before, for ships from Katim shall come against him. Now, this is talking about the, the Antichrist here. Uh, and he shall be afraid and withdrawal and shall turn back and be enraged and take action against the holy covenant, the separateness, the separated covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the holy covenant. Uh-oh. That means people that believe and know better and still reject it. Because they, they, they are those that know it and are forsaking it. Doesn't mean those that never accepted it. It's those that are accepting the holy covenant that God has made and made with us and made with Israel and then reject it. Hmm. He's going to pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. We don't have time to chase through all that. But it says, forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and the fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people, now this is what I want you to see. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Hallelujah, right? So he's saying those those people that know their God, which means we're not talking about religion. We're talking about having a relationship with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the God of all gods. We know who he is. We know what he's asked us to do. And we're doing that for the right reasons. We're not doing it to get kudos from God. We're doing it to give kudos to God. I'll pull it out of you one way or another. I'll get some amens out of you. (laughs) Uh, Those that know their God will stand firm and take action. And look at this. And the wise among the people shall make many understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You think God is giving us in these latter days some wisdom and understanding in his word that we didn't have before? You think he's doing that for a reason? Yes, he is. He's doing it so that we can share it with people that are willing to listen and learn. Um, I really fight getting into these online debates. I saw y'all's today. I just didn't want to get in. I was like, if people want to know, I'll be glad to talk to them. But if they just want to get on Facebook and banner back and forth and share their ignorance, I don't want to get involved with that. I don't have time to write them a book. If they, if they want to learn, I'll be glad to talk with them. But just to sit there and banter and argue back and forth, no. Um, but it, here it says that, uh, and I'm not saying what you did was wrong. I, I think what you shared was excellent, and I really commend you for that. I just didn't. I thought if I get in here, I'm, I'm going to be here forever, and I'm, <laughs> I kind of want to do that. Uh, but it says, the wise among the people shall make many understand. And look at this. So it says, though for some days they shall stumble by the sword and by flame, by captivity and plunder. So 
What it means is it won't be easy, folks. And people will hate you for it. Call you a heretic. Oh, you went Jewish. Right? Oh, you turned into a Jew. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm trying real hard to not be as, as uh, sarcastic in my responses, but uh, it just shows people's actual you know, biblical ignorance. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about and don't understand even the words coming out. They're just regurgitating things they've learned. And it's, it's not that people are being mean. That every, everybody actually believes that what they're doing is right. And they actually believe they love the Lord and they're, they're trying very hard to do that. So we have to be very careful not to get angry at people. It's not, that's not our battleground. That's not our battle. Our battle is with false doctrine and with the heavenly realm. You, you following me? And it says, when they stumble, they shall receive a little help and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. Hmm. You have to read your Bible a little slower than usual if you really want to understand what it's saying. So it says that there's going to be these wise people that are going to be sharing these truths with people in these end times. Some will be responding. Others will hate them for it. Go into captivity and, and be persecuted for it. And then others will try to join themselves to the wise through what? Flattery. And who does that sound like? The Antichrist himself, because that's how he even comes to power, through his smooth speech and flattery. And it says, and some of the wise, was go they're going to stumble. But then he, he allows that. He goes, so that they may be refined, purified, and made white, made white until the time of the end. Oh, my goodness, for it still waits. What? The appointed time. Folks, this stuff will not, will not happen by accident. It will not happen by happenstance. God will not be caught off guard. It'll happen exactly when he says, exactly the way he said it, on exactly his time schedule to the very moment. Um, I want to I go on because I, I want to make sure I have time to talk to you about something else as we look at these passages. So when you get to Galatians chapter 4, because what happened? Yeshua came when? Right at the right time. It, the scripture says in the fullness of time, but it can also mean the appointed time, when the time was right. At the, at the exact right time, our Savior came. He didn't just go, you know, I think I'll go... I don't know, July 10th, year three. How about that? No, he laid it out perfect and knew exactly when he would come for a, a million, gazillion, whatever reason, so many more than we can even fathom or think about. So you get to Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God himself. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And all that happened when? Right at the right time. 
right at the perfect time. So then I want you to see something else here in Matthew 26. <clears throat> this is where I really started chasing some rabbits on this one because it got so interesting. Because this is a passage that a lot of uh, believers in Christ will study this week also uh, with this Torah portion. And in Matthew 26, this is when he was arrested. Um, the high priest is questioning him. Jesus won't answer him. And in verse 63, it says, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, Now I want you to see this. He goes, I adjure you by the living God. He's saying, I, I am compelling you, trying to compel you by the one true God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you have said so. Basically saying, it came right out of your mouth. Then he goes on and he says, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It goes on in verse 65, and it says, Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What other witness do you need? You, uh, you have heard now his blasphemy. And then he says, So what's your, you know, what's your verdict? He needs to die. And that's when they say, you know, crucify him. He, need, he needs to get the death penalty. And this is where this verse is used because it talks about the high priest tearing his robe. Okay? In this Torah portion prior to what we read in chapter 23, I think it's in, verse, in chapter 22, it's the description there for the high priest, and he is specifically told that he is to not tear his clothing. But the high priest did. What does that tell us? Well, we already know that it was all already corrupt. They were appointed by... Rome, basically, bought their way in. It was very profitable. And obviously, it's also showing us, if you will, I'll say it, and I don't mean this in a bad way, their ignorance of what the law really said, or else they wouldn't have done that. Okay? And they wouldn't have done all these other things as well. <clears throat> but I do want you to see that they did know enough about the Bible to know that what Jesus was quoting here were passages directly linked to the Messiah. It comes out of Daniel. It's also referred to in, in I think, Psalms 110. And I've got the passage for you here in Daniel because it also goes back to when we studied this. So it's in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, um, this is talking about the Son of Man the Messiah, given his dominion. And he says, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. Who's it talking about there? Yahovah the Father. The Messiah going up to the Father and was presented before him, before the Father. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah. 
So they're seeing, they're hearing that and they're going, okay, this guy is making a proclamation that he's the Messiah. Watch this. But according to their understanding, he can't be. They still have this understanding. Because they're waiting on the Messiah to come, to come in power and watch this, restore all 12 tribes back to the kingdom, (coughs) remove the enmity between the tribe of Judah or the house of Judah, the southern tribe, and the northern tribe of the house of Israel, and rule and reign from Jerusalem in righteousness and the Torah of God going forth from Jerusalem and beat their swords into plowshares and, and that prophecy that the UN has up on its walls. So they're still waiting on that going, you can't be because that hasn't happened. They had their, in other words, they had their own expectation. You following that? So they had their own expectation of what the Messiah would do when he would come. The Messiah is standing there right in front of them going, yeah, but you need to understand, I'm here at the appointed time. You're here at the appointed time. And watch this. And even what you understand or what you think you understand about the Bible is all happening at the appointed time so that everything will happen according to my schedule. So watch this. Did God know that you and I would not, underst- would not probably be raised understanding the Torah? Sure he did. He prophesied that. And he said, I'm going to scatter you. You're even going to forget who you are. And then when I tell you these things, you're going to loathe yourself for it. You're going to think, oh my goodness, which can anybody here other than me relate to that? And you go, oh my gosh, what a wretched I still go through those moments when I think back and I'm out mowing my property or whatever. I'm just going, God, please forgive me. That's just horrible and I should have known better. I've got a Bible. And then he just taps me and he goes, I know, son, it's going to be okay. Um, Because during this time, we're now learning, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And we're supposed to keep these feasts, guard them. But watch this, nobody on the planet Currently, no one on the planet can do these feasts properly. No one. Why? Well, the temple's not there. Priestly system's not in place. Sacrificial system's not in place. So they can't do it properly. But watch this. When it says keep it, that means guard it. And then we should celebrate it and do our best to practice what we can where we are. Why? So that we'll learn God. (laughs) So that we'll get to know our Elohim. So that we will know him, so that when the world comes unhinged, we'll go, (laughs) he's got this. So that when they hate us, we can go, he's got this. When your friends and your family don't understand you, you can go, he's got this. It's, he knew it would be this way. Doesn't make it easy. No, it's hard. It is so hard. When you got family and friends 
that look at you like a deer staring at the headlight going, what is wrong with you? Because watch this, they honestly love God and love you and care and think you're in a cult. Seriously. And they want to fix you. Just like you want to fix them and go, would you just read your Bible? <laughs> and stop listening to what other people are just regurgitating. Just read it for what it says. It's simple if you can get that dumb filter off your eyes. It's right there. And that's what we want to do. But at the same time, we got to, you know, not everybody's going to respond. Not everybody's called. Not everybody's going to get it. Uh, we just got to share what we're supposed to share when we're supposed to share it lovingly, compassionately, and understanding we weren't always there. We didn't always get it. And does anybody here totally get it? No. I'll make sure my hand's down. I don't totally get it. You need to understand, I'm not Moses. I'm not your high priest. I, on every week, I honestly think, I think I'm about maybe two steps ahead of them, and that's about it. I study as hard as I can during the week going, I hope, God, I can bring something that's worthwhile that your people can learn something and feed on this because I feel like I'm pedaling as fast as I can just to try to stay ahead because I'm going, I'm 62 years old. I wish I'd have started learning this when I went to school for crying out loud. But the cool thing is, is how God just starts revealing stuff to me. And I'm like, that is just so awesome. So awesome. Because I, I, I didn't put this together. I, I didn't go, you know, I'm going to find these. It just starts jumping out at me. I'm like, well, what is that word? What, what? Well, that's the same word. And it has a root meaning to, to proclaim, which is what he's called us to do, make a proclamation of who he is. Which is what he called Israel to do which is what he grafted us into to make a declaration to the heavenly realms. Guess what, guys? You ain't all that, but God is. And he saved me not by my works, but by his works, and you were dumb enough to kill him. Guess why? Because he's got everything under control, even you. That's some good news, isn't it? Now, the reason why all this is real important I, I try every day to stay really in tune with the news. It's getting overwhelming. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about getting burnt. Uh, I'm like, I can't, there's, I'm reaching an emotional tipping point with it. But our world <clears throat> is this close to an out-and-out -out catastrophe all-out war in Israel with Iran and Russia and Turkey and America, and all of us can get sucked into this in a heartbeat. And Israel has had it, and they're attacking Iranian sites in Syria. Russia's warning Israel, and Iran is saying they're going to retaliate, and Israel is basically saying, we'll take you all out and uh, the Holocaust will never happen again, we'll push the button, unofficially. Um, and <clears throat> on our calendar, it's not God's calendar, but our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, May 14th is the celebration of Israel being a nation for 70 years. They're supposed to open up the embassy on, I think, the 12th. 
I think that's right, on the 12th. They're talking about the possibility of Trump even going. Uh, I don't know if that'll actually happen or not, but that's, you know, in the, in the talks. All the while, the deep state is doing everything they can to take our president down and take him out. I think they would even assassinate him if they could. Um, so it's, it's the celebration of Israel being in a nation for 70 years. 70 is an important number, but I don't think Yeshua is coming back May 14th. I'll go on record and say that. I don't think he's coming back May 14th. <laughs> but... On May the 19th, and you need to write this down, May the 19th is Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, or if it rings better for you, Pentecost. So what happened at Pentecost? Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, is when... Israel was at Mount Sinai and heard the law of God. Um, and it was given to them. And um, anyways, all of that event that happened there when they were at the mountain, <clears throat> um, you got the golden calf thing, that event happened. 3,000 people died. Then you have the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 which is when we were told the church was birthed, which is also wrong, but it's when the Holy Spirit was poured out as the start of the new covenant, which is the renewed covenant, and God restored the souls that were lost. At the first one, when about 3,000 were saved, when the Holy Spirit broke out on the people of Israel, and you had the tongues of fire and all that, and that happened three times when it went to the three different people groups. First to the Jew then to the Samaritans, the mixed, and then to the Gentiles. That's when the, they spoke in tongues. It was when the gospel went to those people groups, and Peter was at every single event. So uh, this May the 19th, which will be on the Sabbath in two weeks, is Shavuot. I want to celebrate Shavuot. So here's what I want us to do. Uh, this uh, Feast of Weeks uh, come together and once again, a, a family event uh, and want to do potluck. Do potluck, but ladies, here's where I need some help. Or guys, if you cook. Bammer, you great cook. Well, that'll be great. Uh, I'd like for us to have some homemade challah bread. So... I know somebody knows how to make some really good challah bread. So if we could bring some homemade challah bread. If you, anybody here never had it? Never? Oh, man, you've missed out. It's uh, egg made with eggs, and it's really good. Uh, but it's just our traditional bread uh, served on uh, the Shabbat uh, around the world uh, every week. Uh, but at, at the Feast of Weeks, uh, they would... They would wave these two loaves uh, baked uh, with leaven in them, and um, they were to count these Sabbaths. And at a specific time, they were to have 
the Feast of Shavuot, which would have been on the day after that Sabbath. We'll be here that evening, so it'll be close enough. Um, but they were to count seven Sabbaths from unleavened bread to the seventh Sabbath after that, and then the next day, 50, the 50th day, would be the Feast of Weeks. And so they were to count the harvest as it was coming in each day, was counting the omer. They were to count the harvest that was coming in, and they, weren't to, they were not to eat any of that grain until they had offered a praise to God, thanking Him for the gift. Folks, God is into symbolism. And the harvest coming in and counting it and counting it and counting it and counting it. And then when it's done, the party. Later on, we'll get into these others, but, you know, uh, Sukkot, we're going to celebrate Sukkot again. You come if you can. We'll be out at the uh, State Park at uh, Tawakoni again. It's close enough. If you're going to come, please make a reservation. We'll be out there all week. Uh, he commands us to party, so we're going to try to party, um, assuming we're not scattered into the wilderness because the greater exodus happened. <laughs> but, uh, but that's also happening. So write that down, and if you're going to come and want to come with us, please, please, please make a reservation. We had a great time this last year, and um, you know we're going to do that again. But in a couple of weeks, uh, it's Shavuot. We'll celebrate. Please, we'll do potluck. Uh, obviously, should go without saying, you know, please don't bring unkosher food, you know. <laughs> you know, that means no pork, you know, shellfish and that kind of stuff. Um, but if we could have some homemade bread, man, that would be awesome. And then this is what I want us to do. We'll do some celebrating and stuff. Hopefully, we're going to have some games for the kids to play. Uh, fairly informal. I'll bring a short lesson on Shavuot. Uh, but I want you to be thinking about sharing your testimony. I want you to think about sharing your testimony on how God is changing your life with what we're learning and how your, maybe your walk with God is changing. Uh, understanding that just his rules, his, if you will, his teachings and his instructions and how that's impacting your life. Um, because it's to be a celebration and it's to be a celebration of God giving his instructions. Okay? So I'd like for us to celebrate him giving us his instructions and um, us understanding that better and being able to celebrate it. Because watch this, when we do that and we do it with a smile on our face, which those of us that have these deep roots and Baptists, you know, we got a lot of, I'll say it Texan, we've got a lot of fixing to do, you know, because we've got to unlearn that, you know, there's power in the blood, power in the blood, you know, just, we need to put a smile on our face and even just learn how to dance before the Lord and have a good time, right? Um, but watch this, when we do that, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be making a makrah, karah makrah. We're going to gather together and make a proclamation. 
And by our sharing this together and saying it out loud, we're making a proclamation. Hey, devils, guess what? You ain't all that. As a matter of fact, pretty dumb, actually. I mean, how you had it made, really? And you decided to leave that? What in the world? Oh, my goodness. So, no, we're not scared. I'm walking in the armor of my king. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of dying. We're just going to be going home. As a matter of fact, the only thing I'm afraid of is not glorifying my king. So let's do it with a loud voice and say, man, you know, God, you are God. You are Yahovah, the grand Elohim among them all, above them all. And you love me and sent your son at the right time to die for me. And you've been counting the days up until the point when it's an appointed time and the party will start. In that process, yeah, it will be hard, but those that know their God will do glorious, mighty things. Hallelujah. And not be fearful. And people will hear and know that he is the Lord God above all gods. And there is no other God besides our God. There are all wannabes that aren't God. And that's why the Psalm says he's in the heavens laughing that they conspire to try to outdo him when he is, watch this, outside of time and space. God not only knows what will happen, this is hard to wrap your brain around, but he's actually already experienced it and every viable option. That's out there. And that's the God that saved you through Yeshua. That's why Paul says, men then of what and of whom should we be afraid? Absolutely nothing. He loves you so much. Uh, and he wants us to make a proclamation.